0: Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. Jenny, we're finally back together. I hadn't seen you in a bit. I know. You were busy working. I don't know what I was doing. I don't even know what I did an hour ago. Oh, God. I feel like the fact that we're able to figure out a time where both of us can sit in front of a microphone for over an hour (laughs) is a miracle every time (laughs) because... I just don't know how we do it sometimes because we both work a lot, but we also work on different coasts and in completely different jobs, and we're able to we're able to make it work. Yeah, I mean, we also got much busier once the podcast started. Uh, you know what's funny? I remember when we started the podcast, I was like, oh my God, we're in a pandemic. Nothing is moving in the entertainment industry. We finally have something to like look forward to every week. <laughs> and then we started it, and then the entertainment industry is like, we've been dead, we've been hibernating, we will come back with the more force than you've ever seen before. Like, it was just so intense.
1: No, really intense. Like, all these events started again. I'm like, oh no.
0: It's been so weird because I've been working in this writer's room for a year and it's been via Zoom like the whole time. The other day someone was like, oh don't you miss it when it was in person? And I was like, I don't miss it when it was in person because it was never in person. (laughs) Like it's been (laughs) a year on Zoom. I kind of don't want to know what life is like outside of Zoom (laughs) because... I'm going to be so sad if I have to go back. (laughs) I think so much of like working, even in the worst jobs I've ever had in my life, I always look forward to just going to a place with people. Like that was always something that no matter the highs and lows of my career, especially at the beginning, which were very low, something about going to a place where everyone was sort of on the same boat Metaphorically speaking, Mm -hmm. I didn't work on a boat. Our producer Kevin did.
1: Wait, Our producer Kevin worked on the cruise ships.
0: Our producer Kevin, his full name is our producer Kevin. Um, (laughs) Our producer Kevin worked on a, worked on a cruise? Yeah, he did. Doing what? I was
1: a videographer, I would do the cruise video every week.
0: Oh my God, our producer Kevin worked (laughs) on cruises, just living his best life, you know, all you can eat buffet. What was it like? Was it one of your first jobs?
1: No, it wasn't. I was like mid-20s. It was like my college experience. I lived at a place and with people I worked with and the people that I partied with. And then we had a cabin where I had a roommate and we had bunk beds. It was a very formative experience.
0: Whoa! You know what, Kevin? That sounds exactly like college. (laughs) Just bunk beds, overworked, underpaid. That sounds better than college. I mean, yeah, I'm on a boat, bitch. So, Jenny, what was your first or worst job? Because for me, my worst job was my first job. And I feel... Like, that is a consistent trend. No one I know has said my favorite job was my first job.
1: You know, I'm not sure if it was, in fact, my worst job, but my first job
0: was Toys R Us. Wait, what made you choose Toys R Us specifically to apply? You know what's
1: funny? That was the first question asked to me at my interview. I remember my abuelo took me to Toys R Us in Huechete, and I was still in my St. Brendan Catholic uniform, And I had just turned 18, it was November, right before Black Friday, which by the way, Black Friday, it was my
0: first work day. Jenny, what the fuck? You went from like, I've never worked a day in my life to working the equivalent of hell in the world of retail? No
1: idea what I was getting myself into. And he's like, why do you wanna work at Toys R Us? And my answer was literally, oh, because you know, Christmas and toys and kids and the Christmas spirit. Are you Santa? <laughs> but yeah, I remember I didn't really get trained. I knew that I didn't want to be a cashier. I didn't want to be responsible with people's money, especially back then. it was just 2004. The cash registers were from the 1900s. These shitty cash registers. I have a math disability. There's no way I'm going to deal with these angry Miami customers and their fucking money. Anyway, so I chose to work on the floor. I remember that 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 night I got in at 5 p.m. So it was like peak shopping. It was chaos and destruction and very post-apocalyptic, but with G.I. Joes and Bratz dolls and hula hoops and shit. And I wore these brand new fucking Converse. Why did I do that? I don't know. I was bleeding. My feet were bleeding. It was two in the fucking morning and we were putting away all the go-backs shout out to all my retail peeps y'all know what that means go backs and just restocking all the shelves for the next day and i remember feeling delirious like there were some other coworkers there and we all just kind of bonded over the delirium and the uh bloody feet which i'm sure is a turn on for some of you listeners no okay. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know why I went
0: off on a tangent. I would have preferred it over my first job, I will say that. What was it? I applied for this like PA job at a production company. I got hired and I was just like so excited. I didn't know how I how I got it. I was like, I can't believe I made it. I'm going to be on set. I'm going to be, you know, learning about the industry. I can't say what show it was, but it was a competition show about desserts onto the Food Network. And I arrive and I'm like, oh my God, amazing. I feel like the excitement of being on set. And I'm like, what am I going to be doing here? And they were like, so you know, um, after they cook, they throw everything on the floor. You clean the floor. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to learn so much here. I'm going to learn so much. (laughs) On the like fifth day, I was, I, I, I can't explain to you how numbing it was. Because, like, I, I wasn't using my brain. Like, it was just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse, rinse and And no one talked to me, right? Because I'm just a PA. Like, who cares about me? I'm not a person, basically, on set. And I was, like, miserable and sad and just, like, I didn't like my job, but I was grateful for it. And then I went out one night, Jenny, to karaoke. And I got sh <laughs> And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And... I was telling my friends how, like, unhappy I am and how, like, I don't like this production company that maybe if they were producing something a little bit more in my realm of knowledge or my realm of, like, passion, I'd be more happy. Like, if it was a comedy, I'd do whatever for a comedy, whatever. And they were like, dude, you should just quit. So I sent an email at 2 in the morning, wasted, in the back of a taxi. And I was like, I'm not going to make it in tomorrow or any day anymore. I quit. I caught. Jenny, (laughs) I woke up the next morning and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I like didn't do that. Right? And my roommate was like, uh, yeah, dude, you did. (laughs) And I checked my email and I sent it and I had already a response from my boss saying, sorry to hear that and nothing else. (laughs) Bro, you
1: went above and beyond drunk texting. You drunk quit.
0: But Jenny, in that moment, I felt like such an ungrateful, terrible human and I... And I like struggled finding my next jobs. And I was like, I, I thought I had to leave New York. I was just like freaking out. And then I realized it was it was probably the best thing I did because it forced me into a really uncomfortable place. And I had to find my way out. And the next jobs I, I got, I had to do like three part-time jobs. Cause you know, that's the world we live in. I had like three part-time jobs and each of those three part-time jobs, even though they weren't any anywhere near a dream job, They did feed me and teach me, um, and I I was really grateful for them. A lot of them were really difficult. I don't know if you've had, have you had like a terrible boss?
1: Yeah. Tell me about it. So my first job that I really truly was like, wow, this is a terrible boss, was this woman with this tough New Yorker type personality. She was just real blunt and mean. It was all computer work bullshit. It was at Miami-Dade College because I was a graphic design major. That was my first major in college. And so she had promised me in the interview, oh, you're going to be doing all kinds of graphic design related stuff. And it, at first it was like that. And then eventually it just became just soul-sucking clerical work and spreadsheets and the entire Microsoft Office suite. <laughs> and oh just. My God. I just was very miserable, and she was such a bitch, but it was a it was a mix of things because also my a d h d made it really hard for me to stay on task and and get certain things done the way she wanted, and she would have all these meetings with me, and she would tell me how poorly I'm doing and so one day I just quit the same thing happened with this personal assistant job, oh my God Jenny that I had for this
0: rich guy. I can't believe me and you were personal assistants I don't under i how did big we do mistake. That? Big, the worst, big, the worst big mistake. fucking mistake. Big Truly, fucking mistake. Big fucking mistake. The biggest big mistake fucking, in the world. I think it's like us going into combat and then us being <laughs> personal assistants. Those are just like two things you don't want. Uh, you don't want us to do. <laughs> we don't. We
1: were not meant. No. To be personal assistants. No. It, but the same applies to even like because I was a PA for Kevin Feige for Iron Man Three. Oh. I was the worst fucking PA they could have asked for. I almost. Yeah. If I ever see Kevin Feige again. On my disney job i might just apologize like bro <laughs> i'm so I'm sorry. sorry but i also had a car that was breaking down i had no gps i had, so i would get lost trying to find starbucks in the middle of miami beach and then i would show up late even something like that that's still considered it's still within the same realm that people like us should not even touch and, and I think that's why I did really well in retail. I worked at three different Bath and Body Works at three different malls. <laughs> oh my God. There was something like soothing about fixing shelves. Till this day, I was just at a, at a store yesterday and I started fixing their candles.
0: Okay, that, that I didn't know this side of you. I, I don't <laughs> even notice when things are like out of whack. Like, I, I don't just. I like
1: don't. it. I like it. I just like order putting the bottles in order. So that to me was like a more tactile, more straightforward. Now what I did hate was dealing with customers, and, and it was hit or miss. And I don't know if that's what yeah. you've experienced, but it was hit or miss for me.
0: It's very much hit or miss. Because for example, the first time I got a writing job, I was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to write, and I was like, this is a hit. But then there was a miss there because this website like published basically soft porn, as well as news. Okay? Okay. So they'd have me writing, like, what happened in Syria? And then they'd be like, quickly, quickly, post this picture of Jennifer Lawrence's nipples. (laughs) And I'm like, can we not, though? And he, and and they'd be like, do it now. We have to be in the top 10. We have to get 10,000 clicks, like, by the end of the day. And I was just like, clearly the only woman in this male-driven website that had news and tits. And I really wanted to write about the news, but I kept on being siphoned into writing about like and posting these like naked pictures of women. I would do it under a pseudonym. I was like, don't, do not put my name on those things. But there was like a couple of articles out there of like women looking hot. And then it's like written by me. And I have to actually, I had to actually write a paragraph that as if people would even read my writing that goes with this sexy ass woman on this website that I don't, like, it was horrible. I was very morally Pulled and pushed in different directions, right? Because I'm like, I'm writing, <laughs> but I'm also like engaging in bizarre internet behavior. And I remember that, like, I kept on t- t- like spending my time writing these articles that I felt really passionate about. But mm-hmm. then there'd be like a rapper died, and I- I'd have to write an article in like two minutes about this rapper's death. And I felt like a vulture, and I just didn't know what to do. And I, my boss, I felt hated me because I kept on like questioning him. I'd be like, do we really have to post like a a picture of, of his body? Like, I don't want to post. And he was like, post it, post it now. Like, (laughs) I guess he was just trying to run a, a website, which is like really challenging. And, and he, he had to do some like shady shit for, for them to like get money from advertisers. And I remember this guy, like he smoked a lot and he didn't like me very much. And I started smoking just to go with him on his smoke breaks. And I, I, it was three days I spent smoking, because the third day I vomited at my what? desk Joana. from the, from the smoke <laughs> and the Red Bull and the $1 pizza. Ay Dios, pero, et- pero... That was my first writing job. Like, I was a writer. I was so excited to be a writer. It was just, like, not the best writing job. You think? You think? <laughs> Bro.
1: Mira. Well, no, I almost, I remember, I, th- I think I said in one episode, I didn't end up doing it, but I almost edited porn. Oh, my God. Right. Because that's that's one of the things you
0: do if you stay in Miami. And it was do hard. Anything. It
1: was. It, and again, nothing against the porn industry, obviously. But it was it, it's not something that I thought I would en- ever end up doing. And I almost did because it was very difficult for me to find work in the field post graduation from uh, from film school. I, I, I think I worked in almost every type of field, but the one field I never really touched was in the food industry. There was something about it that grossed me out. I don't know why, but I lasted a whole 10 hours at
0: Olive Garden and I quit. Oh my God, I'm sorry. You, you said you, you didn't want, like, you were like, I don't want to go into the restaurant business, but you, you know which restaurant I might trust? Olive Garden. Like, that's, like, the that's at probably the bottom Joanna, of the totem pole for, like, gross food. Like, I love Olive Garden. Don't get me wrong. I go to Olive Garden, okay? In Times Square for fun. But, like, not the place I'd recommend someone like you who doesn't, like, who gets easily grossed out by food and people eating food. Well, when you're here, you're family, okay? And then you've got that's the endless you family. Breadsticks.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but it was mm-hmm. actually for a hostess job. And I remember you had to wear a tie. You so had to learn how to tie a tie and all this shit. And... I was really, like, excited because it was the most money I would ever make. It was $11 an hour, which -hmm. was a big deal. And, but it was the, I didn't realize this, but when you're a hostess, apparently you have to be a mathematician. Oh, God. Why is math everywhere, Jenny? They give you this math equation that you have to learn how to do in order to give people the right Estimate as to how long their wait is going to be.
0: The fuck is is the Illuminati? Are you serious? I thought they just guessed. No, they do fucking not. I would guess if I was a hostess, I'd be like three minutes. I don't know (laughs) why three. I like the number three. (laughs) Hey, if
1: you're listening and you're a hostess, if you've ever been a hostess, please enlighten me because at least with the fucking Olive Garden, they had me. They gave me a pamphlet. This is like this is the math equation you got to do. Then there's like the seating situation right you as a hostess it is your job to like seat people nothing made sense it's like okay they brought me to one side of the restaurant and this is this is tables one through 12 and 37 what I'm like why is table 37 next to tables one through 12 and then they would take me to this other side and they're like okay this is tables um 15 18 25 at that point I wanted to just disappear (laughs) I was like I am not going to memorize this nonsensical bullshit this dude or and I didn't I never came back I never came back now there's something about if you've noticed my pattern here (laughs) I was very rip and dip at like my jobs I never gave a two weeks notice (laughs) you're just like bye but you know why because I learned the hard way I learned with my first job at Toys R Us, at the end of the day, you're just a number. They don't really care about you. I ended up having to take a medical leave because I acquired a large hiatal hernia in my stomach from lifting heavy boxes, like power wheels and bicycles and all kinds of stuff. I did the endoscopy. They found out that I had this like large hernia. I was barely eating. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I remember coming back to work and saying, I need to like work a little less Please do not put too much on me. And what happened? It's like, it went in one ear and out the other. They didn't give a fuck. They gave me this insane workload and I quit. And they, and I remember like this one lady named Elizabeth. she's like this short Cuban old lady. She's like, you're never going to
0: find a job ever again. Oh my God. Because I fucking quit. You know, their slogan is, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a Toys R Us kid. Like now I get it. You got that job because you turned 18. And what they're saying is, you don't want to get into the the workforce in America, my friend. You will want to stay a kid forever. They don't don't treat
1: you right. I think the only time I ever finally gave a two-weeks notice was when I finally had some decent jobs. Like when I worked for Nesquik, and that was a job that I had for a long time. And then I had a job at Univision, and I had a really great boss. And, of course, I'm not a monster, but in these, like, thankless Mm -hmm. fucking retail jobs... Or, like, that personal assistant job to this rich old guy who was a piece of shit to me. He was really, really mean and rude. And I was like, Mm -hmm. bye. I would just fucking ghost. And I had all these, like, really responsible friends who were like, I just gave in my two weeks. I'm like, you know what? Fuck that
0: shit. (laughs) Honestly? I'm not going to put up with this bullshit for two more weeks. If they can fire you whenever, why can't you leave whenever? Yeah. It it feels like a weird like uneven relationship. And I agree. I think the only time I didn't give a notice other than that drunk email, um, (laughs) was I worked for this person for a very long time. Um, she's, she's a really, really, uh, well-known producer. Um, very successful. I, you know, I respect her work. Um, she's, she was just terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. You know, we're talking about how things that seem like the simplest jobs are actually the most difficult. Like, I'm a head writer on a show. That's, like, the easiest job I've had. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The hardest jobs <laughs> I've had are the ones at the beginning. Like, this I, – I was her assistant for, I think, 10 days. I was – I had worked in the office for a year just reading scripts. And then they were like, we're giving you the opportunity to be an assistant for this person. Everything from like figuring out how to transfer a freaking call. I-, I couldn't do it right. And she would get so irritated at me. And, you know, I kept on fucking up these small things. And then it all came to a halt when I had to pick up her salad. And she had an arugula salad from this very particular restaurant I had to go pick up. I, I got it. I put it in front of her. And she grabbed an arugula, one, and threw it at me and was like, this isn't what I ordered. This arugula is not fresh. And by the way, this isn't my fork. This is a community fork. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I took it and this is like seven days into like just constant and utter panic. Like I felt like I wasn't enough. I felt like horrible, I kept on. Just one one time I said a guy's last name wrong in, in those two weeks and she berated me and said that like I was an idiot. By the end of this, I was like, Absolutely not worth it. <laughs> no, this is this job is not worth it. This minimal pay is not worth this psychological torture, and the fact that I'm being convinced that I have to stick it, like just stick with it and keep being mistreated for like <laughs> no pay, and be have arugula thrown at me, like I, I'm I'm out. Like I, I'm out. Oh my um, god. And I, and I left. I left. Um, and. It's interesting because I bumped into this person um, years later at a at a play, um, <laughs> and she was a doll. She was like, "Oh my god, you were! I was so sad when you left. You're you such a wonderful, sweet person." And I was like, "Oh, oh, what? <laughs> what is that? What?" And then I I feel like if I had been placed in that position now, I would have just felt less horrible because I. I felt like I was an incompetent person. And what I found out is that that job just didn't fit what I'm strong at. And there's mean people out there and it's their problem. But for me, it was always like, oh, I'm like, this is a reflection of me and my work. What is
1: wrong with people?
0: (laughs) I don't know. Never forget the day arugula was
1: thrown at me. During my time at University of Miami, I was a dog walker. My actual title was professional dog walker and pet sitter. And it was obviously rewarding because I got to spend time with all these little fur babies. What was not rewarding were their owners. So it was a it was it was a double-edged sword because I would get to spend time with Rupert and that was a joy but then i would deal with their owners spying on me with webcams especially cat dads i know people love to talk about the crazy cat lady but let me tell you something cat dads are worse oh they're out there and they're real <laughs> and they're bad they are bad they're the ones that would spy on me with webcams and and fucking skype with their cats from switzerland you know, sometimes that would be late because Miami traffic, a lot of these people lived in like bougie-ass buildings in Brickell or downtown Miami and my shitty little car. I remember one time I almost couldn't make it and I texted the woman on the way there and I said, hey, I'm not going to be able to be there on time. Keep in mind, they're fucking cats, okay? Cats can survive an apocalypse. They, you can. It's It's impossible to kill a cat. They have their... Their bowl is there. Their water is there. Their fucking litter box is there. It's not like a dog. Dogs are really helpless. God bless them. You know?
0: Yeah. I I always say that dogs are like toddlers. They're excited to see you and they're like helpless and you have to help them go potty. And then cats are teenagers. They want nothing to do with you. Yeah. And they're self-sufficient. And then they just live in your house.
1: That's, that's literally
0: in. what it is. And so I text this
1: lady and I say, hey, I'm so sorry. My car is breaking down on the road right now. I'm going to be there a little late. Instead of asking how the fuck I'm doing, she fucking goes, oh, my poor babies. What's going to happen to them? Oh, my God. Yo, I'm telling you, like, I could write a book. I have so many weird experiences with jobs and people and customers like the one time I almost had a heat stroke dressed as the Nesquik bunny while playing defense against Miami Heat player Isaiah Thompson.
0: Oh my god, what? <laughs> oh my god. I feel like you need a Showtime show of all your jobs. Every season is a job. I, I it's all, it, all of these memories are rushing back to me. You know, before we started recording, we were talking about how it's hard to have... A perspective on your career but looking back this past like half hour <laughs> oh my god the amount of stuff i would do i oh my i just remembered i had a job assisting a stand-up booker as in the guy that books stand-ups for shows this guy was the weirdest person i'd ever met in my life ever it was like a fake job my job was to basically sell these fake comedy classes to these poor people that just moved to New York to follow their dreams. And it was a terrible class. Again, what you're saying, like hit my first job in comedy. I I did it. I I got a job in comedy. Miss, I'm a horrible salesman for a terrible uh, class and I'm selling it to these like, vulnerable people wanting to make it. And I felt, again, morally pushed and pulled. And I just was just like, can I do something that I don't feel gross at after at night? Because he would, he would, like, berate people to pay him. And it felt really slimy and schemy. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And I met really wonderful people. And, and he was very kind to me. I didn't find him to be a moral person and he would book these these stand-up shows and make people pay uh to perform and then just take the money it just all felt very weird and illegal oh my god dude what (laughs) and i i was just like can i have one job like truly just one where i'm like i don't feel like uh, my morality is in question (laughs) Joanna I really struggled and I I and I was like I can't do this job anymore and so then I babysat for him a few times <laughs> that was like weirdly the one of the most rewarding jobs I had because it was just hanging out with this little girl and just having the time of our lives <laughs> and, and I realized like oh my god all this like trying to make it and trying to make it and doing whatever to make it I I I needed a, a break from it for a bit i just needed to get myself out of it and i i did the babysitting and i did some work for a comedy website just transcribing stuff and interviewing people and doing my stand-up and that's when flama came about it was like flama came about right at the moment after i just realized that i was chasing something so hard i wasn't i wasn't following the path right it felt like i was kept on trying to just just take take whatever road looks like the right road versus like taking a moment and this is before GPS, like, logging onto MapQuest and being like, all right, let me just take a moment and just look at the map, take out a compass, and just figure out what my next step is um, and and just keep doing stand-up. And then that's when Flama happened. But it was like all of these jobs made me just, like, broke me and built me in different ways. Yeah, I mean,
1: I feel like
0: all these odd jobs, all these
1: experiences... I got to learn more about people. I think it's helped me with my current work as a character actor, just really studying uh-huh. people's behavior. I've learned how important it is, especially to be respectful to the people who work in service, because I know they get treated so poorly as uh-huh. experienced firsthand. I think it's great that we have this topic going right before Black Friday and all that shit begins, because... People are real entitled. Either you forget or maybe some people have not experienced this kind of work, but they're fucking human beings and they're trying to pay their bills and get their kids gifts for Christmas themselves. And so just please
0: treat people with respect all around. Just always. I I think that the people that have the jobs that society perceives as the most exchangeable or the quote unquote easiest i truly feel they're the most challenging because you are worked to to death and then it's as you said quite thankless um Mm -hmm. and it's it's really every every job is deeply noble and it's something that i've always felt you know i come from an immigrant family i think immigrant Mm -hmm. families have this perception of like any work is absolutely noble and i think a lot of people in this world don't see it like that no, um, they, there's some jobs that deserve more respect than others in, in a lot of people's eyes. And like to that, I just say, absolutely, fuck you, <laughs> Like fuck you. We're the only generation that's poorer than our parents in like the history of humanity. And a lot of us have had to work a lot of jobs and continue to have to work a lot of jobs. And it's, it's challenging and it's hard. And I think it, it's tough, but it, it I think it does give us a, a lot of us a perspective on what it is to work really truly work and it's it it merits all the respect in the world um, no matter what you do. One one thing I will
1: say though to the to to everyone listening though is that I'm a big advocate for speaking up and standing up for yourself if you feel like you are not being treated well at your place of work especially for people of color women of color people with disabilities etc etc. Like that has happened all too often, even in our own film industry. That's what the whole IATSE strike was about.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You, if you feel like you're being overworked, underpaid, being mistreated in any way, shape or form, do say something. Mm
0: -hmm. You are not
1: alone and you're going to help other people gain the strength to speak up for themselves as well. So, you know, because I've been there. Many people in my circles have been there. No, no aguantas tanto either. I know a job is a job, but
0: don't take the shit either. Well, Jenny. What a ride. Look at that. We went on a ride to our past and got to say, I don't want to go back. No. Don't want to go back.
1: No. It was very, it's quite, quite brutal. And that's not to say that what we do now is also not grueling because I can write a book on BuzzFeed. But anyway. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god <laughs> i can write a book on univision
1: no oh man you know it. it is what it is like you know it's um you learn along the way and you still meet i feel like along with all my jobs i always made good f- connections good friendships some are still my friends today um and you just gotta take the good that comes out of the bullshit sometimes gotta take the good with the bullshit
0: yeah in in venezuela we have a term echarle bolas which is like mm-hmm. give it balls yes which i don't love but i do <laughs> love that term where you work so hard your genitals are are, are, are helping you because it's like every <laughs> other part of your body is 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 trying to to make something work um and i i uh, i applaud all those people that are echandole bolas at whatever job that they have yes Absolutely. I, I guess it's weird that I just said that your genitals are helping you with your job. I don't, I didn't mean that sexually. <laughs> I meant it like, <laughs> I, like well, non-sexually. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. <laughs> this doesn't translate well. <laughs> Take, like, push with your genitals is basically what it says. Oh God. You know what? Just, just understand the metaphor behind it. You don't uh, have to be push it. Push it Push good. Push it real good. <laughs>